Welcome to Impact the World, a podcast from West Park Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is where we discuss topics related to how we can all love God, love people, and impact the world. Here's your host, Tara Hayes. Well, welcome to Impact Your World. And once again, this is not Tara Hayes. This is James Lynch. Uh, We have uh, uh, borrowed Tara's equipment again, Matthew Goldstein and I, and we are uh, concluding our series on intergenerational church today. So we're just so glad that you've decided to join us. And uh, so Matthew, you want to start us off with uh, just kind of introduce the subject for, for today's podcast. Sure. So I, I was joking with James right before this that you guys are probably going to start getting sick of hearing this analogy uh, if you've been with us each of these episodes in the series. Um, but as we think about what it means to be an intergenerational church, the analogy that I've been using is that it's like a Thanksgiving dinner uh, when you start thinking about a church that has people together across the generation. So at Thanksgiving, you've got this big old family, and they're all in the room together. But the problem is that sometimes they're not all together in relationship. They're just together in space. Right. Like they're, they're together in the room, uh, but there's a kid's table, and there's a grown-up's table, and nobody really has any clue what's going on at the other table. <laughs> and most people don't want to know what's yeah, going on yeah, at the yeah. other table. And so when we think about West Park, you know, a church that does have so many people in each age demographic, we want to make sure that we don't say that we've now checked the box because we have people who are all in the room together across generations. But we want to really promote intergenerational church, which is a church that is fellowshipping across the generational divide, that there are people that actually have relationships and are being discipled and are pursuing the mission of God together as we're all following Jesus. So that's that's kind of the idea that we're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for doing that. And, you know, Matthew Matthew has used that uh, that Thanksgiving analogy so much that I'm really looking forward to turkey and dressing in a few months. <laughs> but um, but it really, it, it most of us have that mental picture in our mind. We've been at those meals, and we've experienced that, and it really does illustrate a great point. But I don't want you to think that we're just trying to come up with something that's not... It's just a, a, a social idea, uh, maybe even a good idea, but it's not. Got, it doesn't have a scriptural basis because it absolutely does hmm. have a scriptural basis. Um, most of us, if you've been a Christian for any length of time at all and you are familiar with the New Testament, you probably are familiar with Paul's terminology in describing the church as the body of Christ. And uh, that analogy is, is really helpful in many ways. And in and when Paul was talking to the church at Corinth about some of the issues that were going on in that church, and they had some issues, uh, he was dealing with, in chapter 12, he was dealing with the gifts that they had, and there was some jealousy and different things going on. I've got this gift, you have that gift, and that sort of thing. And so he uses this analogy of the body of Christ. And in in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, verse 19, he, after he explains a whole idea that we're all members of, of the same body, but we are different parts of the body. We're, we're, we have different roles to play. And he says this in verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? If all were a single member, where would the body be? And so that 
prompted a thought, or that really is out of a thought that Matthew and I were pondering. What if we were all the same? You know, and that's really what Paul's talking about. Now he's he's addressing it to a specific issue having to do with gifts of the Spirit, but really the concept, the biblical concept that he's basing this on, is that we are interdependent. We're we're diverse in our in our giftedness, in our abilities, and in, in uh, just every, many different ways. We have all this diversity, and yet there's unity in the diversity, and we are dependent upon one another. We're not one more dependent than another. We're interdependent. We all need each other. Absolutely. And so this sets us up for a really interesting thought experiment. Yeah. Right. As you said, where would we be as a body if we were all exactly the same, if we were all just, you know, an ear or an right. eye, and to use Paul's terminology. And when we're thinking about age, this had James and I thinking, you know, what would West Park specifically, what would we be like as a church if everybody was either one of our ages? Yeah. So what would the church be um, if everybody was 22? like me or 60, like James. Right. And this is such an interesting thing to think about because, and and we know that we're painting with some broad strokes here. Oh, yeah. There's some stereotypes at play. But when I think about what a 22-year-old is like typically, and I'm speaking kind of for my age group here, there is this vigor mm-hmm. and excitedness about mission, right? People get really passionate about the things of God. And, and so we get excited to go reach the lost, and do all these new things. But typically what this comes along with is just a a lack of experience. Yeah, And it's not always a lack of just maturity in a negative sense, but just a neutral lack of experience. Mm -hmm. I I think that we can get caught up in some of the winds of new fads and ministry styles and things that we think are a new and exciting way to reach people. But in reality, like this has been done before or this has been tried before. And as 22-year-olds, because we just don't have the life experience to know all of that, we can see things as a little more black and white and be like, well, we just need to go and do something. And so if if West Park were all my age, like we might have a little more energy than the average, but is the energy necessarily going in the right direction? Yeah. I also think about like the steadiness of our faith and how at 22 we're typically not as steady as the more senior adults that that I interact with on a regular basis. Like as a 22 year old, we, I tend to compartmentalize things sometimes. And so in my faith, it can be easy to be, you know, to use that phrase I used a minute ago, carried around by that wind mm-hmm. where the older generation can tend to be a little steadier, both in doctrine and just in the faith of following Jesus. So it'd be, there'd be some good things, uh, at least in the way that I perceive things uh, about if we were all my age. But I also think that it would be really hard because you'd have a lot of people kind of running around like chickens with our head cut off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. And as you're describing that, I'm thinking of when I was your age. You know, and uh, thinking of some of those things, uh, we uh, both Matthew and I are scheduled uh, to preach this week. And when you hear this, this will be after that. Um, but uh, we so we have a preacher's meeting 
on Wednesday afternoon, and we were talking about uh, I, somehow in a conversation I got talking about old sermons that I had preached, and I made a statement. That I have some really old, like thirty-year-old sermons that I preach, and or maybe older in my attic. And I, you know, I, I made a statement. You know, I don't even know if I agree with myself anymore on some of that stuff. So, so yeah, there's some change. And so, the, in, in light of that, thinking about if we were all say we we're all my age, so we're all sixty years old. Mm. So I think you know again. I know there are stereotypes, and we're not trying to stereotype anybody. You may be thinking, well, James, I'm your age, or I'm older, and I'm a lot more youthful than you are, and you may very well be. Um, however, there are generalities that are tend to be true as we get older. Uh, yes, there's more steadiness, hopefully, in our faith. Um, we've walked with the Lord for some time, hopefully. Uh, of course, some were saved later in life, but but most people were saved at a younger age, and and uh, if you've if you've grown with the Lord over the years, you're you're more steady about what you believe. You're confident in your faith, and that's great. And you're uh, you may have had some ideas in the past that you've grown out of. You know, you you learned that maybe that flighty thing that you thought when you were twenty is not quite there. You know, and and you've proven why it didn't work. You know, so. You've kind of grown through some of that stuff. But then there's the danger of getting uh, closed-minded hmm. to the point where, you know, you can't see. Uh, maybe you've, you feel like you've learned it all already, and you can't see a new thing. And I don't mean contradicting Scripture, believe me, um, not at all. But maybe a different understanding that you didn't have about the way we do ministry. Hmm. Um and, you know, you can get really closed in your thinking as we get older. Uh, another thing that happens is because you've thought a certain way for a very long time, it's hard to understand people who don't think the way you think. So if we were all 60 years old in our church, we might have trouble accepting people who were different from us. Hmm. Uh, we grew up in a culture that was a little different. Um, one of the things that I've observed over the years is that, uh, you know, it seems like every every other year we have a new generation or something. They got a new name for a new generation. It just seems like they come so rapidly. And, and my generation, I'm actually a baby boomer, and uh, we were spread out over quite a number of years. But the, these generations now seem like they come more rapidly, and I thought, why is that? Well, I think the reason is there's a lot of technology that changes, and it changes the way we do life. It changes the way we interact with our surroundings. So, so if we were stuck in our ways from the people who, for instance, are baby boomers, and we think probably more like our parents thought than the then the 20-year-olds now think the way their parents thought because mm -hmm. things have changed more rapidly. Yeah, I see the, what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? So so I just think that we we might be we might be stuck in a rut. You know, if we're all 60 and um, you know, 25-year-old couple come to church with a new baby, uh, well, somebody should keep that nursery, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm 60. I've done that before, you know. Mm. So I I can see where we can get you know 
kind of closed off. Yeah. That was a really interesting point that you brought up about like the ministry philosophy being mm-hmm. different. That's something that I've I've thought about a lot over the last couple of years because I know a, a few people in ministry in another city that um, have a unique way about doing ministry. Like they yeah. they have nonprofit coffee houses that they use as um, buildings to then have their church yeah. services in on Sunday yeah. mornings, and so the building ends up paying for. Uh, the the meeting space and it's just a, such a cool idea and yeah. in talking with them about how they do that or and why they do that they would say because the coffee shop is the modern well the mm. way that when we think about a, a gathering place of all yeah. people like in the in the Bible right. a coffee shop is the modern version of that but one of the things that stuck out to me so much when we were talking to them is that they said what we're sold on is people coming to know Jesus. Yeah. Not coffee shops. Right. We love coffee. We love what we do. But if tomorrow we woke up and this was no longer what the the well was, what the meeting place of people was, we're going to ditch the coffee idea and go do whatever we need to do. Right. And that's something that I I really value. Yes. Because yeah. like you said, we're not talking about people changing their minds about doctrine and truth. No. But sometimes over as, as new generations come up, the way that you'll do ministry is going to be different in different contexts. Mm-hmm. And so it is interesting to see how people, how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I think the longer you do something a certain way, the more that becomes the way you, that becomes your filter for life. So you begin to look at everything that way. So if you do church, uh, your church has a, a steeple, and you're, uh, you have pews and you have hymnals in the pews and you have, you know, you do, you have Sunday school before you have church. And, you know, I mean, those, all those things, none of those things are biblical, by the way. Right. Or unbiblical. They're just are. They're, they're, they're traditions. So if you, if you have all that and then you, and then you come from a, you come into a situation where church is not done that way, it's done in a coffee shop. A coffee shop is actually financing. Uh, you've got a business model that is financing the ministry for the purpose of the gospel. So the coffee is gospel coffee. That coffee is being sold in order to promote the gospel. Right. You know, that's thinking outside the box. Well, the older we get, the harder it is to do that. So that's one of the advantages of having young folks out there. But then that means that the older folks have to be willing to think outside the box a little bit. Hmm. Maybe it, you know, has to do with uh, the way people dress at church. And, you know, I know, you know, I come from a tradition that believes it's you ought, it's respectful to show respect to God, to dress a certain way, you know, wear a tie, a jacket, you know, and, and that sort of thing for the men and women dress nicely, you know, a dress or nice pantsuit and that sort of thing. But, you know, None of that has anything to do with scripture, but these these mindsets that we get. And so I do think that that, that is part of what would happen if the church was all all in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. And it, it sounds like there's a middle ground that needs to be reached because, you know, for what I said about the 22-year-olds, part of the issue is that sometimes we'll think, oh, like we need to go do this new thing that's big and exciting to attract yeah. people. And for instance, one thing that I see that makes me think of this 
is when people want to make Christianity attractive, uh, especially right. with like social media and stuff. Yeah. And I absolutely think that, you know, beauty is important and should be used within the faith. But when people overly try to make Christianity cool, that's something where I go, hey, I bet people who have been around the block as Christians for a few yeah. decades can sit back and say, hey, I wouldn't put all your time and energy into a fad. Right. And so maybe there's a middle ground there, there where ground. Yeah. the the younger generations probably have some new and innovative ideas about how to do ministry that the older generation should be open to, but can also then help balance them out with reasonableness and say, yes, that's a good idea. Yes, let's try this new thing, but let's make sure that we're not doing it in a way that we have seen gone poorly. Yeah. And it sounds like what you're describing is what Paul's describing in 1 Corinthians 12. Mm. He's describing this interdependence that the ear needs the hand and the eye needs the foot. And so we need each other. Yes. And this is where we're this is where we're headed. It's good stuff. This is where we're headed. We are we are talking about the fact that each of us, and it could be for age. You now we're talking about age issues right now. It could be any different thing. It could be a lot of different cultural things. But specifically for our purposes, we're talking about age. We can have blind spots, hmm. and we have to recognize that. You know, one of the things about uh, uh, about a blind spot, you know, you, you can't see it because it's blind spot, right? <laughs> so you don't know it's there. Um, but if you're willing to recognize the fact that I need someone different from me, I need. Okay, James Lynch, I need Matthew Goldstein because Matthew helps me to see things from a perspective that I don't have anymore. I might have had a similar perspective 40 years ago, but I don't have it now in 2023. And he does. And he's in the body of Christ, and I'm in the body of Christ. So I can learn things and grow and help him learn and grow at the same time and that's the beauty of the body of Christ. That's what God has designed in the body. So, you know, I might be an ear and he might be a hand, but we need each other to be able to function. And it's the same way for everybody in, in the body. It's the same way for everybody here in the body at West Park. That gets me fired up. Oh, me too. Me too. Well, I want to make sure that we get to spend some time kind of processing through the couple yeah. of interviews that we've had. And so we're, we're super thankful that we had Sue and Colleen and then Ben and Dennis on to help be four people who are in different yeah. age, uh, age groups and be able to have them come on and share their experiences, some of them as people who have been on staff at a church mm -hmm. and people who have been at West Park for a long time, yeah. people who haven't been at West Park for a long time. And I've been so encouraged by those conversations because it makes me think that what we're talking about is something that people recognize that we need. Yeah. And most people seem to have benefited from or recognize that they would benefit from. And so as I was reflecting back on it, and I'll just get your thoughts on this, the thing that probably stuck out to me the most as valuable for hearing the perspective of the older generations is to think about the depth of suffering that people have gone through. Yeah. I've been thinking about my life and how, you know, what I've gone through relative, 
you know, to other people, it's what I've gone through. And so things have been hard, but in the grand scheme of things, I can recognize that they have objectively not been as hard as the things that a lot of the other adults that have gone through. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about in the interview with Dennis talking about the fact that he was, you know, in a war. Yeah. I've never been at war. Yeah. And injured. Right. Yeah. And so I, I don't know what those kind of experiences are like and being able to listen to somebody and see them come out on the other side of that suffering and be strong. Yeah. That is the biggest encouragement for me. Mm-hmm. I think about Paul who went through everything that he lists in first Corinthians. Yeah. Right. Shipwrecked, beaten within an inch of his life, like on a weekly basis. <laughs> And he yeah. gets to the end of all this, and what he says in 2 Corinthians 4 is that he he considers this all to be just a light, momentary affliction. Yeah. And the joke that I say about this is that when I stub my toe, I convince myself that this is a heavy, eternal affliction. Yeah. And I'm in here going, how long, oh Lord, will I suffer? <laughs> and so I, I've just so appreciated being able to hear the perspective of older believers who might not necessarily... Like they're not trying to take the place of Jesus for me. Jesus is the one that's getting me through things. Yeah. But I can see somebody who's gone through this stuff before me and say, okay, I know that I'll be okay. Yeah. I know I'm going to make it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, we all need that because we can read in the Bible what Jesus went through. We can read in the Bible how Paul served the Lord and went through all these things and still remained faithful. And yet when we know somebody like Sue Polson who talked about going through being a caregiver and watching people that she loved and cared for dearly pass from this life to the next, and it made her start thinking about her own mortality. Hmm. And so now she's thinking about things she didn't think about 10, 20 years ago um, and considering, and it creates feelings. And she was open enough to talk about those feelings, but you see her being faithful, mm-hmm. serving the Lord, being the prayer warrior that she is, even though she's facing very real things in life and has faced them, and she's come out the other side. So, you know, that's such an inspiration. And then on the other hand, I think of Colleen in that same interview, who said she came to West Park because she was looking for older believers to speak into her life. And Mm. she was so enthusiastic about the older believers that she gets to be around all the time now and how much she enjoys that. And that encouraged me hearing a young person, 29-year-old woman, say that she likes being around these older believers and growing from that and learning from that. So it tells me, and, 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 and knowing Matthew, I know Matthew too, so knowing these two young people, it gives me great hope and encouragement that what we're trying to to um, to wave the flag for right now, what Matthew and I are trying to call attention to, it's already going on to some mm. extent. We just want to encourage it to be more intentional, and we want to encourage it to increase uh, because, man, that's I mean, that's sweet stuff right there. To, it really because is. you're seeing the gospel lived out. With, with skin on right there in front of you. And I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of just how we do church mm-hmm. because I've been around a lot of people 
as like you know everybody knows that I'm just a big book nerd and I've been around people who it's all about having the right theology up in our heads yeah and having all the right beliefs about God but what I'm coming to learn more and more is that it has to be lived out within community yeah I've been so thankful for our series through Romans mm-hmm. over the last almost year mm-hmm. because it's it's been so much doctrine but also so much of here's how we need to live out this doctrine yeah. within community, not just by ourselves. And I was reminded of the the quote where people always say, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. I started thinking, well, this applies to the church too. Yeah. And it, it really takes a church to nurture and grow a Christian right. in the way that God has designed things. Yeah. Uh, so I've just been thinking about that a lot because I know that my faith is... to use the words of Paul talking to Timothy, like fan into flame the gift of God. And like, I need that encouragement and support Mm -hmm. from the people around me, from the church community in order to really do that. And it's this, uh, what Proverbs talks about, like the mutual sharpening Mm -hmm. that we do for one another. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And to talk about Paul and Timothy, you know, he, he told Timothy to the, the, the things that he had seen in Paul to take those things and commit those to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You know, the 222 principle. You've got uh, the generation of Paul passing that on, passing that faith on to younger Timothy, and entrusting Timothy to pass that on to others who would then pass it on to others. Mm. And so there's a multi-generational principle here that uh, we need to be intentional about. Absolutely. You know? and, and, and in Titus... He talks about this specifically with women in Titus chapter 2. And men, and men and women, he talks about more than one generation, but specifically with the women, the older women to be able to teach the younger women hmm. how to love their children, love their husband, how to, how to do these things. What does it look like to live out what the New Testament teaches us? Hmm. And that's the way the faith is passed on. Yeah, you can be a Christian on a desert island with your Bible and you can grow in your faith, and that's great. But most of us don't live like that. Most of us live in a place where we can have real community. So how does that happen? You know, what is, what's the, what, you know, what uh, are James and Matthew asking you to do, okay? We're, we're not, as we said in the beginning when we started this series, we're not starting in a program. We're starting, we're not starting a new ministry to pair you off with another person of another age, another generation. But what do we want people to do, Matthew? What are we, what are we asking people to do? We want people to have their eyes open yeah. for these opportunities that are around them. You know, I, I think I've used this example before, but I think about uh, as a kid doing the dishes was just never on my radar. <laughs> and so if I walk downstairs and there were a bunch of dishes in the sink, I might be able to see it, but there's nothing clicking to me in my head saying something needs to be done about that. Yeah. I was just like, ah, you know, mom will do it, dad will do it, somebody else is gonna do it. And the older I've gotten, I've recognized just h- kind of how dumb I was for that. <laughs> and now that I've, you know, got my own place and roommates, as we've got dishes in the sink, I now go into the kitchen 
And I see it just like I saw it when I was a kid, but now there's a responsibility attached to it. Yeah. And so in the same way that that's how I see our conversation on the church where I'm sure you guys have noticed this just like we have in some capacity, but what does it look like to move beyond just observing it, but to seeing it in a way that we're compelled to act. Mm. And so as as we think about what this is going to practically look like for us, you know, James has said, and and we're going to continue to reiterate, it's not that we're going to start a new ministry and say, hey, on Monday nights, we're going to do the the intergenerational speed dating to make friends. But to say that we've got all the ingredients already here and in the room. So as you come into church, especially think about it just for the short term, over the scope of maybe the next month, you know, we're heading into a fall semester. A lot of the ministries that we already have are kicking off again. So we're going to have a new set of equipping classes, the training programs starting back up, student ministries reopening. So wherever you're at in all these things, whether you're showing up for a ministry, showing up for a worship service, or whether you're serving somewhere in some capacity, how can you be going in into these settings with your eyes tuned to look for somebody that you don't know. Yeah. To have an opportunity to introduce yourself. And we know this isn't always easy. And we're not saying that you need to be best friends with everybody that you meet. But maybe as you start introducing yourself to people over time, hey, you might grab coffee with somebody. Yeah. And yeah. you might meet somebody and you might not grab coffee with them. But as the rhythm becomes more regular in your life to say, I can have conversations with people who aren't like me. I think you're going to see what we found in doing these interviews that we actually have a ton in common with we really do. these other people. And there's so much valuable stuff that, that each side can gain from it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it starts as simply as walking up and saying, hi, Matthew, my name is James. Uh, nice to meet you. You know, or uh, hi, my name is James. Uh, I don't believe we've met. What's your name? Hmm. You know. I mean, it's that simple, and we are creatures of habit, and we do tend to gravitate toward people who are like us, who we're perceived to be like us, but just as Matthew said, we have so many things in common um, in in our interviews, listening to uh, people from different age groups. You hear them talk about different specific things that are going on in their lives, but the basic needs of life are still the same. Hmm. We all have issues. We all have problems. We have concerns. We have things that worry us. We have things that give us joy. Uh, you know, get to know somebody. Don't don't give in to that thought that um, that you just have to hang out with your old buddies all the time. That you get to know somebody else and get to know somebody that that may be a different age group than you are. Hmm. And that's, I think you'll really enjoy it. I think the the principle that I'll leave us with is something that I've heard in the uh, conversation on evangelism, but I think is is relevant in some capacity here. And it's, hey, get over awkwardness. Yeah. Don't worry about the awkwardness yeah. because sometimes awkwardness saves lives. Yeah. And so it's worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Amen. It's worthwhile. It's worthwhile. Well, it has been such a joy over the last month to be able to really think and process through this concept of intergenerational church. I mean, like we've said, this is a conversation that James and I have been having for 
a handful of months. And so we're excited that we've been able to bring in uh, the church at large into this conversation as well. We hope that you guys have been blessed and edified and have at least, you know, six new people that if you don't know us, you can (laughs) come up and talk to somebody and know, know one of our stories more, uh, you at least know how old we all are yeah, now, so yeah, there, there's some personal information yeah, that's gone out. That out. So be on the lookout for us to just continue to be having this conversation. Yeah. And be on the lookout for opportunities for you to participate in it. Amen. You got anything else for us, James? That's all I've got. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We promise Tara will be back hosting soon. Thank you for listening to Impact the World. To find out more about West Park Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, visit westparkbaptist.org.